You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a PR firm that specializes in music, tech, and innovation. Excitement's heating up for the Music Tectonics Conference, October 24th to 26th. Irregular host, Tristra New Year Jaeger, has been chatting with more of the leaders in music and innovation that are most deeply involved with the conference. This week, we're exploring the topic on so many music minds this year, how AI is changing how we make and experience music, both for fans and artists. I'm sure you've read some scary headlines about the topic, but today you'll hear nuanced conversations with the pioneers who have been working with AI for years to unleash greater creativity and engagement. First up, Tristra sat down with Jonas Norberg to get a high-level look at artificial intelligence and music, informed by Jonas's long experience in the field. Then Tristra goes deep into groundbreaking use cases of AI for musicians, healthcare, and more with Spencer Mann, VP of Growth at Moises. Are you ready for that deep dive? It'll be fun. First up is Jonas Norberg, Head of Artificial Intelligence at Tune Global, a leading provider of B2B streaming technology solutions that power some of the world's most successful streaming services. Jonas is a perfect guide for the shifting landscape of AI right now. As a founder of Pacemaker, an award-winning AI-driven DJ app acquired by Tune Global earlier this year. He's worked with machine learning and AI for over a decade, long before it was cool. Take it away, Tristra and Jonas. Hi, I'm speaking right now with Jonas Norberg of Tuned Global. And Jonas has a very interesting background in AI. Um, you founded Pacemaker, which was, I think you started out as a as an AI app for DJs, correct, Jonas? Yeah, it, it's kind of an, an AI uh, uh, app for non-DJs. So, um, <laughs> non-DJs to play DJs. <laughs> yeah. The, the AI is for, you know, um, uh, making it easy for more people to do DJing, basically. But you took it from a consumer-facing app to other more B2B applications. And, you know, you were working with AI as part of experiences and music listening and curation and all that for quite some time. You know, things are really crazy right now. They're changing really fast. There's a lot of excitement, um, you know, bleeding into hype around artificial intelligence. I'm wondering, as someone who's been in the field for quite some time, how is all of this feeling to you? Is it feeling like finally people are getting it or like, whoa, everyone, this is a breakthrough, but not quite as big a one as you think? How, you know, how are you interpreting this moment? I mean, um, I think, uh, you know, all development tend to be uh, kind of this uh, S-curve mm-hmm. where it starts off slowly and then there's a very quick phase and, and then it's like kind of um, slowing down and then it goes into a new S-curve and etc. cetera. Um, so I, I think we're in that fast phase right now um so ai is developing very quickly and uh, there is uh, you know so many new things you can do with this um this disruptive new technology which is known as generative ai or you know large language models um and there there's a couple of things like um 
for for you know people in general uh, it's uh, the the access to information now uh, is uh, so much easier you used to um, have to google for information and look at uh, many different websites etc but now you have this um, AI that sort of have done that for you already and it can give you like uh, you know uh, clear answers uh, not always truthful answer answers that's sort of the uh, the backside with it uh, but but I think that that will um, make it possible for people to learn things much more quickly um, so people will learn things much more quickly um, and then um, another uh, incredibly cool uh, uh, thing with AI now is that it's really empowering people um, so uh, things that have been you know almost impossible for many people to create is now within reach um, and uh, that goes for you know for music um, of course for you know DJing uh, uh, that, that, that was you know we were early on using machine learning techniques um, uh, to, to sort of you know uh, make DJing easier but now also uh, music creation and uh, you also see image creation and art creation and you know there's also video creation coming and it's like you know writing books um so um learning and creation has you know um become uh much better if, if you like like learning quicker um creating much more easily and and, and it, it's really like I, I think this is going to have an impact on everything in our lives really um so uh yeah I'm, I'm i'm just very excited about the future of course also a little bit like you know concerned <laughs> with copyright and you know um uh jobs uh, and all of those kind of things but uh, overall very excited well, you've dealt a lot with how AI can enhance experiences of listening, maybe not necessarily even as, you know, you started out thinking about, uh, you know, the craft of DJing and, and curation and um, putting putting tracks together. But um, you, you ended up thinking a bit more about what, you know, what could happen in the background so that music could feel more seamless, could flow more. I don't know. I'm curious what you think. I mean, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of excitement about generative AI because it has this big wow factor. Um, but I think in some ways, AI may end up playing a much bigger role in this sort of, you know, behind the scenes kind of way for a lot of our, um, you know, entertainment experiences, whether we're talking audiovisual or just audio. I'm curious where you see AI having an impact now, and maybe we can also talk a little about a little bit about where you hope things might go in the next, you know, three or four years. Yeah, so, so I think um, so. If, if we just look at, you know. Uh, creation today and, and, and this is like you know experiences need to be created uh, before they can be experienced um, so uh, today um, the creation phase is 
quite long um, because uh, you have to understand those very you know complicated tools um, and um, lots of theories etc um, etc et so uh, and then you know eventually if you push through which very few people do then you will have an experience in the end um, and this goes for you know uh, books music video it's like you know all experiences need to go through a creation phase first what's happening now is that the the creation phase is uh, much quicker and it's kind of like you uh, it, it's it's more complicated than just pushing a button it's you know it's much there's a lot of text to um, music mm -hmm. text to images text to video etc text to books text to text um so it's it's not just pushing a button but it's like you know it's finding the right prompt um and and it, it's almost like you know uh it's going to be more emphasis on curation um so you do something and and then like creation is kind of quick and you get um an experience like as a result of of, of this text prompt or you know it might also be knobs and buttons etc but you kind of quickly get an experience that you can look at and then you're going to be like hmm no it should be more like this and then you go back and then you repeat this um, but all the time it's like you know uh, an end result or something that's close to an end result that you kind of look at um, and, and and feel so um, that that thing like we're moving more like I mean, creation is still a big part of this but but curation becomes kind of um more of the thing uh, i had this this discussion with a friend uh that he was just blown away by um this this oppenheimer movie that's now all the rave mm -hmm. uh and uh he he's a very intelligent and and kind of nerdy person um, and he watched the movie he was so blown away so he went home read up on it and how it's produced and all the little bits and nuances of the movie and then he watched it again and like he never watches movies twice <laughs> um, and, and then he explained to me how um, uh, Nolan uh, kind of you know manages the um, the artists and everything and he gave this um, uh, very, very elegant example where uh, I can't remember the name of the, the actor that plays uh, Oppenheimer. Yeah, I can't either. He came, <laughs> yeah, he, he came in very like, you know, um, um, hard uh, in, in the scene. And then uh, Nolan told him, so Oppenheimer isn't a boxer. Mm -hmm. He's more like a chess player. So what Nolan is doing there is like, you know, he's giving direction um, to the actor and then the actor understands. And then eventually, you know, after having that discussion and they're uh, redoing the take and everything, you know, probably, you know, I don't know, lots of time passes here. Then he's going to see the, 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 the result after, you know, giving that extra direction um and then he can curate 
Um, now with large language models, generative AI, you know, giving that direction and then getting a new result, a new experience is so quick. Um, so Nolan, he obviously has a very good um, curation feeling. Like, you know, he knows when the scene is where it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And throughout the years, you know, of course, he's practiced. So he understands like th these scenes, like this is good. Um, and he kind of know um, what he wants to create. Um, and 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 he's from experience, he has learned like, you know, this is what I want to create. And, and then his tools are, um, you know, talking to the artist and this is the camera shots and everything, which, which he has learned also uh, throughout the years. Um, but I think, you know, there's many more people that kind of have that good, you know, curation, curator, um, um, what you say, properties or... Yeah, um, they, you know, that um, instinct for creation and how to yes. put put things together, yes. curation, how to put things together to make a meaningful statement. Yeah, like exactly, you know, the, 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 there's there's a lot of people that can say, you know, this is good, you know, etc. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot less of the people that are prepared to go through the process to get to the experience, like Nolan, you know, he has... Mm -hmm. He has done that many, many times. So I think uh, this is going to mean, like, you know, the, the, this, um, um, uh, the, this, this new and quick creation um, is going to lead to many more, possibly also better experiences for us. Um, because there's like a new group of people that had the ability, but, you know, they didn't really... Uh, they, they weren't ready to put down the effort that was required. Mm. Um, so now, you know, it's a bigger group um, and, and therefore the, the, the quality of the output should be more, but also higher. That, that yeah, sense. no, that makes a ton of sense. And as you were speaking, Jonas, taking it back to music, I was thinking about the traditional studio recording process, where often you did have a producer or someone else being like, hey, we need to do another take. Like, can you try to hold back a little bit um, until we get to the bridge? And then like, I'm thinking like a vocalist and then, you know, just go for it or whatever. Um, or, you know, we need to hear a bit more of a bit more of your hi-hat or something like that. Um, but, you know, it, it meant you had to do a fresh take, right? Or sometimes you could punch in a, a couple bars, but that's really difficult to do well. So in some ways, AI could unleash that iterative uh, capacity and allow us to, you know, do more with, few, you know, with fewer inputs, right? Like, so instead of me re-recording my vocals for the entire song or for that entire section of the song, um, we could, you know, adjust certain um, certain things to make it more intense or less, or I don't know. There's just you're making me think that um, it can really change the way people approach making music and and let them iterate more quickly until they reach something that's really compelling and effective emotionally. For for sure, and and I mean, you're kind of touching um, on uh, this thing where you can use AI to. Um, instead of re-record, you, you just you know make, you make it better, mm -hmm. um, and and that applies for uh, <laughs> for for everything kind of, um, um, and uh, I, I I think um, 
So I was in this panel with um, uh, a group of people and there was this musician producer that I can't remember the name of, but he was explaining his process and um, you know, he really wanted to explore AI in creation. So, you know, he, he, he's, uh, he's been doing it for quite some time, even though the tools have been kind of blunt and so forth. Um, and, and then I asked him like, okay, so um, with, with this new, uh, you know, AI technologies and, and, and you know, the empowerment, um, will, will your sound be more or less unique? And he was like immediately more unique. Huh, I love it. Because with with AI, he can create, <laughs> uh, you know, alien sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, sounds that he would never have come up with. Um, and, that, and that just blew my mind because, um, you know, that, that's, that's such an interesting future. Like, okay, so here you have completely new sounds. Um, and that also reminded me uh, of uh, a completely different thing, uh, which is like, um, it, it, it's kind of the same thing, but completely different. So in, <laughs> in mechanics, mm-hmm. so for example, a car or um, you know, a rocket, um, they, they are today um, using AI to develop optimal designs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those designs look like it's, they look very organic. So, you know, uh, think butterfly or, um, you know, uh, shells or those mm-hmm. kind of things. Um, so it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's mechanical design that looks organic, but not really, you know, um, from our world. It's more like something from, from, from the alien movies incredibly cool and you know when he said that his sounds are now you know completely new made me really think like yeah that's alien sounds yeah you were making me think when you're talking about these new sounds of you know how ai is being used to to develop pharmaceuticals or to um you know come up with new proteins and how um you know basically all these interesting forms and configurations that are really difficult for a human to sit down and be like, okay, <laughs> now what if we stick this thing over here, you know, or what if we fold it, fold this protein this way, what would it be like? It's just um, it, in that way, like you can just imagine this audio future where all sorts of really cool things are coming up. And there's, you know, there's some concern about with, you know, with generative music that there's going to be this sea of sameness, but it sounds like there's going to be these mountainous islands of, uniqueness that will be truly groundbreaking and exciting and just sound very different from everything that's come before. Yeah, I, I think you're probably going to have both. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm kind of um, convinced that, uh, w- like, as I said before, like we will have more people mm-hmm. um, creating and, and that's going to lead to a higher quality, like the peaks. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we will also have uh, a lot of things that kind of are the same mm-hmm. um, and especially um, so so if we look at um, um, AI for music today g- generative or you know um, so g- generative is, is um, kind of a weird term I understand what it means but you know um, if you have um, uh, something that generates different sounds 
um, based on like input from this music artist. That that is generative AI, but it's it's not creating an entire track. It's creating mm-hmm. you know new sounds, etc. Um, um, but 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 then um, the, the, that's kind of the professionals and. Uh, that's kind of where the tools are today, except for Boomi and a few like Boomi, and there's kind of more coming mm-hmm. there as well. Um, but, uh, you know, for the professionals, uh, they, they've had the tools, they can sort of, you know, um, take the results into their, their DAWs and, and continue to work on it just like they've done, um, you know, since a very long time back. Um, and uh, uh, it's going to mean their creations will be more interesting and so forth because they're ready to put in the eff- extra effort. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we have Boomi and those kind of services, which is like, you know, that's probably a lot of the same. Um, and then if we push that all the way um, and uh, um, you will have generative AI uh, that uh, is licensed and uh, you can say, you know, uh, give me a Taylor Swift track, you know, boom, and then you're going to get one. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's going to be a lot of the same. This this latter one, uh, I think it's more about um, fan engagement rather than creation. So it's like it's it's kind of a new way for for people to engage with um uh, with their favorite artists, and th- th- this is an idea that blew me away, and mm-hmm. I completely agree with it. So it's not really creation; it's engagement. Awesome, I love it. Well, Jonas, this has been a really fun chat. Thanks so much for taking the time, and we'll see you, or we'll see someone from Tune Global, I know, at Music Tectonics. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always great fun. Thanks for having me. That was great, Trista. In just a minute, Trista will be back with Spencer Mann of Moises to dive into how they're blazing trails for enhancing creativity in music with AI. The Music Tectonics Conference is coming up so fast, we're gathering with thinkers like these October 24th to 26th in Santa Monica, California. It's going to be awesome. Speakers from Spotify, Tidal, Lander, Media Research, Splice, Riot Games, leading investment firms, and so much more will be there to map out the future of the music industry. And I want to make sure you get your ticket before the regular price tickets expire on October 16th. Right now, tickets are a mere $350 for three days of kick-ass keynotes, scintillating sessions, and noteworthy networking with music innovators. But after October 16th, you'll pay the walk-up rate, 450 buckaroos. Claim your spot at the conference, grab your ticket, and check out our speakers and session topics at musictectonics.com. Let's get ready for the future of music together on the beach. And we've just added a new opportunity for AI music companies at the Music Tectonics Conference the last week of October. Demo your AI music app on stage for all to see and hear, then take over a spot at the AI Innovation House and the AI Alley at our Music Tech Carnival at the Carousel on Santa Monica Pier. We're looking for one supernova and several asteroid partners to support and be a part of this effort. We make Music Tectonics an experience way beyond a traditional conference, and you can be part of the fun while getting the music business into your AI app. Email Shaley, S-H-A-Y-L-I, at rock, paper, scissors, 
music.biz to find out how your AI music company can get on board. Now Tristra is back to dig into the state of AI-powered creativity. She's speaking with Spencer Mann, VP of Growth at Moises. With tens of millions of users, Moises is the musician's app that turns AI into real tools to make better music and audio with a wide range of carefully crafted ethical features. It's now offering its tools to other music innovators, letting AI-curious companies incorporate AI features quickly and easily. But I'm going to let Spencer tell you more about all the cool stuff they're doing. Over to you, Tristra and Spencer. Hi, everybody. This is Trista Newyer Yeager, the Chief Strategy Officer at Rock Paper Scissors, and today I'm talking with Spencer Mann, who is the VP for Growth at Moises. And Moises is a really interesting company. Um, uh, you know, we talk to a lot of folks in AI. A lot of them are doing things more on the back end or more B two B model, but Moises does both. Both. Um, music making facing music maker facing uh, products as well as uh, more B2B services for companies who want to incorporate um, AI into their into what they already do. So Spencer can probably explain this way better than I can. So the great thing about this is Spencer, you can give us some insights into what's going on both with the people who are directly making stuff with AI and people who are building businesses around AI stuff. Um, I know that's a very technical way to put it, but thanks for joining me today. Yeah, so happy to be part of this. Uh, one of the things that that drew me to the company and that I love about it is we have over 35 million musicians using our platform. And what that means is the, the creative potential for these artists has been unlocked and they're able to do a lot more than they, they have uh, previously. So we hear in very interesting use cases like uh, from Headway East London, where musicians are using this in programs for people with brain injuries and allowing them to experience music in new ways. Wait, can and, I ask you exactly how are they, what are, what are they doing with music to make it more amenable to treating folks that have a brain injury? Yes. Uh, so what they, what they do is um, they describe it as making a cake, right? Uh -huh. And they're able to take all the ingredients of a song and look at them as parts. They can stem, separate, and listen. Let's listen to just the vocals. Let's hear just the drums. Let's hear the guitar. How are those things working together? And how are those elements? And then they're able to have the class, uh, people with these brain injuries, participate, right? Mm -hmm. And, okay, we're going to take out the drums. Let's come up with our own drum version of this. And they're creating something new and novel and participating in music in a way that they couldn't do so before. That's really cool. That's really, really wonderful. Um, so you have a lot of insights into how these millions or tens of millions of, of musicians are using Moises. What are some other things you've seen in recent in recent months? I mean, AI has really exploded. A lot, a lot more people are aware of it and how they might use it to do various interesting creative things. What have you all been seeing? Yeah, one one of my favorite use cases is people who go to band practice. They have they have their song they've written, they're practicing rehearsals, and the drummer doesn't show up. Okay, well, what do you do? Do you cancel your practice? Well, using Moises, they take the song that they've previously recorded, they just have the drums play, and now the their drummer's back, right? And they're able to play along, and they're still able to have a productive uh, practice. 
So it's it's a tool that enables a lot of different use cases like that. Um, we we have a, a guy named Danny Mo at Berkeley School of Music loves Moises, and he tells this great story about in class they were studying a piece of music and they're trying to understand what was what was the bass player doing at this really unique and specific part and by isolating it out by slowing it down the the instructor was able to work with students and say this is what's happening this is why these things matter see the subtle things that they're doing with the beat and the chords and uh, they're able to experience music in a deep way and and isolate the part that they're really interested in that's really really cool i mean that's always sort of the thorn in a lot of music education heels is trying to analyze parts especially complex parts or things that come really fast and um break it down that way and i, I mean back in back in my day it was through things like transcription which is not everybody's forte and a lot of us are are, are oral learners right like we learn by listening so it's really really cool to now be able to basically have the kind of analytical uh, discernment that you'd get from looking at a score by listening to um, these lines uh, separated out and and you know transformed so that you can really bring out whatever um, quality you're trying to learn from. That's super super interesting. All right, but um, you know how are, are you seeing like any shifts in behavior on your app? I mean, in some ways you go, you guys have some really interesting potential data. How, are you seeing people using one AI tool more than another? Are you seeing more adoption in different parts of the world? Like, see if you can give us like a, a, a quick around the world in uh, in a minute <laughs> from the from the perspective of Moises and its AI tools. Yes, well, this this has been really fun to see because we are a global tool. We are in every country in the world, translated in thirty something languages, and so we see users from all over. And, it, and it's interesting to see where you get this heavy adoption. Mm -hmm. uh, Brazil is one of our core areas. It's an incredibly musical uh, group of people. They're passionate mm -hmm. about it. They love it. Um, I recently went through and I looked at what percent penetration do we have in each of these countries. And I was surprised to see it in the U.S., about 3% of the population, right? Wow. Well, uh, we have a user count for 3% of the, the population in the U.S., which is insane. And then we go to United Arab Emirates, which I never would have expected. It's, mm -hmm. it's 5%. So there's certain countries hmm. where you see this really incredible adoption and they, they use the product and they, they, they get a lot of value out of it. And it's not always what you'd expect. So it's been really fun to see where you get that penetration and the adoption and the things that they're creating with it. That's going to be really interesting to see in the next couple of years too, how that evolves and how that impacts local music scenes. Um, as you know, I could imagine, uh, you know, there's, everyone talks a lot about the sort of more localizing uh, dynamic that's going on right now with music, with recorded music. And I could imagine like some a tool, tools like Moises or AI tools could be really helpful for people to take that like to the next level where they can maybe add you know, a translated line, um, a translated vocal line to uh, an existing track or add maybe even a local instrument to an existing track um, could be pretty, pretty Im impactful. Yes, yes. Uh, one of the things that uh, another use case that I love to see is when people take a song that they love and they 
they take out the instrument that they play and then they do their own version of it, mm-hmm. right? And now they're playing along with their favorite bands, but they're creating something new. And it's, it's this magical experience. Even, even as a beginner guitarist, I can take my favorite bands and I can, I can have those magical moments where I learn the song with them and then I'm playing and I, and you have that, that insight of mm-hmm. now, now the, the lead vocalist is looking at me and he's nodding because I'm part of this, this song <laughs> and I'm doing okay. And it's, it's this really magical moment. And so for me, um, uh, that's something that we want to give all musicians, right? This mm-hmm. opportunity to participate in the music that they love. That's such a great sentiment. And sorry, I, I just to be a little silly, you're kind of uh, making me think that this is a different a different flavor of AI hallucination where you get to hallucinate that you are shredding with your favorite musicians or throwing down some bars with your favorite MC or something like that. Yes. Well, you know, that's the thing I love about music. I think there's something magical about it. Mm-hmm. Whenever, when anyone is in the car and they're listening to music, they're tapping along, they're singing along. It's something that we all want to participate in actively. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, to enable people to do that uh, gives them, and the, the closer you get to that experience, like you said, it's the, it's the AI hallucination of now I'm part of this thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm that part of that band that I always dreamed of. Yeah, amazing. Uh, all right, so now that we've had a wonderful, very quick whirlwind tour of all the amazing stuff that people can do with AI tools on the creative side, let's talk business. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> let's get a little um, a little deeper into the music business side of things. So Moises also works with companies to create to help them create their own sort of proprietary tools or spaces where they can have a little sandbox and goof around with AI. Um, because, you know, I, I understand it's, it's tough to, nobody wants to build their own model if that's not what they do, right? And um, getting things like compute lined up can be really difficult in this day and age. There's just a lot to consider and it's all a big risk. So, you know, how are you seeing companies, you know, existing companies that may have a very different um, product or service or approach to music or creativity? How are you seeing them starting to weave um, some of the tools that Moises provides into existing their existing sort of business? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, one of the important parts about making this technology available to all the businesses is scale. Right. Mm-hmm. As soon as you go from a consumer to businesses, you need to have scale. You need to have a really robust infrastructure. Well, Moises has, has processed one billion minutes of audio through its consumer base, which is which is incredible. And mm-hmm. in doing so, we had to build this infrastructure that was very strong and stable and scale. And so, what we we're trying to do, or we're doing, is we're making that infrastructure now available to all these other businesses who may. Kind of, it doesn't make sense to build out all these different modules and all these different solutions in mm-hmm. addition to the ones that they specialize in. So as we partner with them, we collaborate uh, to create an output that's better. So they use parts of what we can provide at scale combined with their own unique uh, value to, to make it more efficient. So for example, let's say that you had a giant catalog of songs that you wanted to get the lyrics for, mm-hmm. right? Well, great solution for AI, and we can help 
get those those lyrics transcribed and provide it. And then the human touch can come in and optimize those and tweak them and take them to the next level, make sure everything's perfect. So it's not there to replace the individuals who are doing all the work. It's to replace the tedious part of that job, right? Mm -hmm. And to help those businesses scale and grow uh, much quicker. Are there, so are you seeing more interest um, from the more creator tool side of things? Would you say that companies that you're seeing interested in AI are folks that haven't incorporated music into what they're doing before, but AI kind of makes it more possible? Or are they pretty solid in the music lane looking to do, like you just mentioned, like to, to work with catalog or to, um, you know, just to kind of enhance some of their operations or, or increase their efficiency doing things that they've already been trying to do? What kind of what, what sort of general trends are you seeing? Yeah, no, uh, it, it, it's really interesting because to solve the use case of music, the quality has to be really high and that enables you to solve a variety of other use cases. Right? Mm -hmm. So we had an interesting situation where someone came to us and they, they had been recording podcasts for years and years and years, and they had some background music through all of them. Okay. Mm -hmm. And they realized that background music was a problem for them. They didn't have the licenses for it and it was a huge liability. So they had to either re-record all that content or they needed a way to use a, uh, an AI uh, API to strip it out at scale. And so that was an interesting use case where he came in. We allowed him to take that background music out, put in new background music and do it at scale. And instantly they, they saved their catalog of all these podcasts. Um, so th that's an example of how some of these, these tools can go beyond, uh, music and serve these other use cases. Uh, in a lot of ways, music is really one of the most challenging because the quality matters so much, mm -hmm. right? And, and that's why, as we think about developing things like voice synthesis and, uh, and, and voice models, it's important for us to partner with the music industry because that's the way you get the highest quality content, right? Mm -hmm. When rights holders and artists get paid, when the side effects is you also get good quality content to train models that are going to be the most valuable to the users as well. So there's really a lot of um, partnership and collaboration that happens in creating the best possible product. So how do you define quality? That's a, I, this is a hard, hard, hard question, right? And, and I want to I wanna just give you a little bit of, uh, of a lifeline here by saying when I, when I, I don't necessarily mean, uh, you know, objective, uh, subjective ideas of, oh, this is good music versus bad music. How, how does Moises define quality? Like how should, as we move forward and start to understand how AI models might work in the music business, what should we, what parameters should we start setting? Like what, what should people be, be thinking about um, in terms of quality? Yeah, I heard, I heard a great uh, podcast the other day on this. They're talking about what was a, if we take all the ethical pieces aside from mm -hmm. voice synthesis, um, their complaint was that the quality of the voice synthesized models didn't sound right, right? So when you took you know, the weekend's voice or Drake's voice, and they created these things. The problem was, is it didn't sound good, right? That was the core <laughs> problem, right? Yeah. Um, there's, there's ethical things, which, which are important and critical, but the quality has to be good as well. When you hear that you, your brain has to not think something is wrong with this, right? Mm -hmm. It needs to pass, you know, the, 
that, that uncanny valley of voice mm-hmm. synthesis. And you need to arrive on the other side and say, oh, wow, like this is a viable um, replacement for it. Now, the only way to get there, right, is to have really high quality training material provided, clean uh, examples of that voice. And it's not five seconds of audio. It mm-hmm. is hours of audio, right? To really match it. And then you have to understand that when you when you create this, you're not actually replicating that person's voice. That voice includes all sorts of things like their persona, values, beliefs. Mm-hmm. What you're replicating is the the timber of their voice, mm-hmm. right? It's it's an aspect to what makes a a, a voice. Now it's an important aspect, absolutely, and it can create incredible products. But in order to get that high quality product, not only do you have to have that great high quality timber model, but you also need to have an, a, a talented artist that you can wrap that voice around, right? Oh, interesting. So somebody still has to sing. Someone has to create mm-hmm. the foundation, and so you're not taking artists out of it. You're you're changing the artist experience by mm-hmm. giving some new tools that allow it to be more flexible. That's really an interesting point that I don't think many people make when they talk about voice clones or voice synthesis, is that just like with any other part of the AI process, it's garbage in, garbage out. So if you're a terrible singer, your voice clone is also going to sound terrible. It'll just kind of sound like Bad Bunny, right? <laughs> like... that's, it, it, that's exactly right. And I had this experience firsthand as I've played with our own voice synthesis model. I sat in front of my microphone and I practiced singing and then I'd wrap these incredible artist voices mm. around it. And uh, what it, it solves some of my voice problems, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the 80% of my problems remained, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that the talent has to be there uh, to make it work. Wow. I think that's something that's so important to remember. And, you know, even everyone was kind of wowed by things like Heart on My Sleeve, just to use the most obvious example. But, you know, if the songwriting isn't good, and as you said, if the performance isn't compelling behind the model, you just have a gimmick and and, and maybe a really crappy sounding gimmick. So such that's really, really interesting to think about. So quality yes. has so we'd use in some ways AI music should be judged by the same parameters that we use to judge other kinds of creative expression. Like, does it move us? Does it, um, you know, does it stick to certain norms um, in terms of you know wherever we may put our musical norms? Because those vary around the world. But it's that is that's a really really cool point. All right. So, are there any other interesting things that make you go? Wow, in five years, we're going to be looking at a very different industry. Um, are there any sort of unexpected moments that, you know, when, when you, y'all at Moises are talking about the future of music and AI technology that you're really excited about and you're not really hearing a lot of other people talk about? Any kind of cool hidden, hidden future trends you think everyone should start thinking about? Yeah, I, w- I would say a couple of things. One, we are all amazed at how quickly it's going. Um, it, it, it's a flood of new tools, and what's going to differentiate them is the quality of them, right? Mm-hmm. So, and and the relationships they have with the the with the rights holders and artists. So that's what we think. That's what we're leaning on heavily is how do we make sure that we're doing an, a high quality output and we're doing it in the right way. So I think that's going to be a trend you're going to see across all AI is that. Quality matters. It's it's always mattered, and doing it in the right way it makes a sustainable solution. 
Um, I think I think the other part that impresses me is this is a disruptive technology that is changing not just music, but it's changing it's changing art, it's changing writing, it's changing all of these different pieces, and we have some interesting precedents. Uh, for technology doing this. I remember, uh, well, I don't remember. I wasn't around, but when <laughs> photography came out, exactly. right? Everyone yeah. said, well, what, what's this going to do to the artist, right? Yeah. I can take a picture of things and and I now have this perfect replication of it. Well, high quality artists, right? Remained. We, mm-hmm. we, still, we still buy their art. We still want it. We want that personal connection. We want value something that's creative and high quality. And that will always matter. That will always matter throughout this whole thing. I I think you're so right. And I I was just recently came across some of the writings of this guy, Nadar, who was a French uh, critic and early uh, advocate of photography. And, you know, he would like get up in hot air balloons and take the first aerial shots Mm -hmm. and did all sorts of really creative quirky things with photography. Um, but, you know, he he said basically like this, everyone was just like unsure even how to process this. It was just like this blinding flash of novelty that people couldn't figure out how to even wrap their brains around, forget, use effectively. So we don't know who out there is going to take AI and get up in the equivalent of a hot air balloon or <laughs> do other yes. things that we haven't even imagined yet. Um, and but in some regards, I think we got to go back to what you're saying earlier, which is there will always be deep humanity at the center of the most successful AI experiments. And that's a really important thing for us all to keep in mind before we completely freak out and, you know, go and like throw our shoes into the escalator or something like, you know, whatever, whatever it is, or we get too, um, too, too uh, crazy about our, um, about, about the disruption, uh, because sometimes disruption is, is actually, uh, I, we need a better word because disruption sounds just so like angry, aggressive, um, destructive, as opposed to maybe AI could bring Lots of eruption. (laughs) I think think you're touching on uh, an excellent point here, which is I think we lack the vocabulary to Mm. describe AI in a meaningful way, Mm -hmm. right? When when people hear AI, a lot of times they're thinking generative AI. They're thinking replacing humans. Mm -hmm. And I think that is only a narrow aspect of it. And I think the, the, the smart companies are thinking about collaborative AI. How do we enable creative potential? How do we take and replace the tedious parts of a job? How do we make uh, musicians better at what they do? And so I think in the next year or two, there's going to be this effort to establish the vocabulary to accurately describe AI so that we can communicate more effectively on it, because I think we lack it today. That's a great point. Well, thank you, Spencer, so much for talking about AI and AI and music and all the interesting new use cases you're seeing pop up. Yes, happy to. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know we do free monthly online events that you, our lovely podcast listeners, can join? Find out more at musictectonics.com. And while you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference and sign up for our newsletter to get updates. Everything we do explores the seismic shifts that shake up music and technology, the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. 
Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. That's my favorite platform. Connect with me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it. We'll be back again next week, if not sooner. You're listening to Music Tectonics.